Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast for the future of insurance industry leaders. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have Arlene Kern with me today. Arlene is the Senior Vice President and Innovation Leader at Munich Re. And Arlene and I have become really good professional colleagues and also good friends. And we have a lot of conversations around what's happening in the industry and innovation on a pretty regular basis. So Arlene, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's, it's really great to be here. I love talking insurance with you, Denise. <laughs> So for our audience, why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself and also Munich Re and particularly your focus on innovation? Sure. Again, thanks for having me. And I am a long-term employee of Munich Re. I've served in many different business unit positions. My background includes finance and business intelligence and property underwriting. But about seven years ago, I moved into innovation. And this has really been the most exciting role that I've had in my my long career at Munich Re. Uh, and specifically, my role now in innovation is finding new technology, new startups, or new business models that can help accelerate the innovation efforts of Munich Re anywhere in the group. And in terms of what we focus on and what we think about, we do have, we call them our playing fields, but we do focus on key themes or key topics. And many of them intersect each other because so many of them are technology-based and the technologies just seem to move between these topics fairly seamlessly. But our topics are climate, cyber, IoT, AI, of course, InsureTech, and uh, we spend quite a bit of time on mobility as well. The whole topic of innovation, it's been a topic in the industry for, quite frankly, decades. We called it under, underneath different terms you know, business process re-engineering and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I think the role of innovation continues to kind of morph and change based upon kind of what's happening in the industry. So talk about what you see as the role of innovation for companies and how you guys are seeing it. And what do you see in the market today around innovation that's kind of top of mind that people should be taking note of? It's interesting about the role of innovation, right? I agree with you completely. And of course, you and I are longtime incumbents in this industry. So we have seen what we would call now innovation take many forms. But I think that the current role of innovation is coming front of mind in every carrier and startup and, and TPA and distribution partner. Everybody's thinking about innovation as establishing those business models, right? Business models, it could be products, it could even be operational models, right? So it actually get, even gets into you know some of the corporate centers that you might have and the operational models of the future, right? So it's all about how are we going to do business in the future? And I think in the past, there's been a lot of 
free space there, so to speak, in terms to think about it in a lot of different ways. But now it's really, wow, how are we going to do business in the future? And the future is just getting closer and closer. So it's not an option to just think about this anymore, right? You, you've got to put a serious amount of thought into this. You've got to fund it. You've, you've got to have people who are thought leaders working in this space. And if you aren't doing this, you really are at risk of falling behind, right? It's, it's about how business is going to be done in the future. And you've got to start thinking about that now. Yeah, I like to talk about it that innovation was really kind of very tactical focused oh, let's use this technology for this, or let's look at for this. And, and it might've created some operational efficiencies, but the real strategic value of innovation is to your point, how are you gonna do business in the future? Because everything is changing around us from expectations of customers to risks to you know market boundaries with other industries uh, getting involved that we have to think about how do we do business differently? At every level, right? And and I think included in, I like your word tactical because it, it implies that it's single use case and, and maybe, you know, without intentionally being this way, it's often very siloed. And now innovation has to be connected, right? It's all about connecting everything on the value chain together. And I, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more deeply as we continue our talk. Yeah, exactly. So one of the areas, obviously, that is a big area of focus for you guys that is around climate, but also other elements of risk like cyber, et cetera. And one of the conversations you and I have had kind of ongoing is about the evolving and merging elements of new and different risks that really has the potential of really significantly changing how we think and manage uh, risk, how we assess risk. What are going to be the new kinds of products to address risk that instead of kind of thinking about it from a property standpoint for just, oh, I'm in a fire zone or I'm in uh, the northern part of the U.S. that I could have ice and snow damage to we've got now these technology changes that are introducing, obviously, cyber risk and other types of technology risk, but also societal risks where we've got different policies from towns and cities to states to full governments that are really changing kind of the risk profiles of different elements. And so when you kind of look at those all together, it really is how do we kind of look at risk differently and how is that going to impact and influence the industry? What's kind of your thinking on that? I mean, no doubt that the underlying risk landscape is changing and it's changing dramatically and so quickly. Cyber risk, it's been around for a while now, right? We all often debate, well, is it an emerging risk or is it not an emerging risk because it, we've been at this for a while now? But even though we've been at it for a while, it's still evolving. And when I say we, I mean, we as an industry, right? It's But it's still evolving. So carriers and reinsurers are constantly assessing how to keep up with those changes, right? What needs to change in both the assessment side and the product set? In its simplest form, the insurance industry has always been able to put a price on risk, right? That's yeah. what you could always rely on the insurance industry to do. And largely that's been done historically by looking at vast amounts of experience data. But with these new and emerging risks, we simply, we don't have those vast amounts of experience data. And even the risk where we do have that data, the landscape is changing so dramatically and so quickly that the data that we do have, it's often less predictive 
of future loss events than it has been in the past. So this really means that in order to build products of the future, we have to use technology, we have to use big data, we have to have more sophisticated algorithms, we have to find proxies for you know, loss indicators for those future risks and brand new ways of modeling those risk landscapes. And then, of course, I think it's really important to mention here the opportunity to mitigate risk, right, or, or even pre- prevent it altogether. You know, I mentioned one of our focus areas being IoT, and, and specifically in the IoT space, we can now predict failures before they happen and prevent a risk altogether. And of course, this is really exciting for insureds and insurers, as we would all prefer to be ahead of the risk, not simply responding after something bad has happened. My final point here is that I really liked that you included societal changes here. And a lot of times when we talk about society, you know, you mentioned some municipalities and governments, but I'm, I'm going to focus on the customer, right? Because the societal changes, I think, really mostly change the expectations of customers and the customers really think a lot more now about who they do business with and how they want to conduct that business. And customers have a lot of choices for those two things, who they're doing business with and how they're going to conduct that business. And it's really keeping all providers, right? This is, this is all providers, not even just in the insurance industry. This transcends every business sector, but it keeps us all on our toes in terms of being a preferred partner. Yeah. And I think when you kind of tie in that customer aspect to this and you tie that back to loss prevention strategies, Not only is that really reducing or eliminating the risk, which hopefully has a positive impact from a reduced premium potentially for the customer and better profitability for the insurer and reinsurer, but it's really a fantastic customer experience aspect that we can look at it from a financial standpoint, but that customer experience perspective can really generate a whole lot of brand loyalty and trust with an insurer who can really do those types of things. So the customer and specialty line segment, you know, continues to remain kind of really hot. The range of new products, different business models, whether it's existing insurers, you know, that are standing up a new business or a business model or new products, or it's an insurer tech, it's really providing, I think, a lot of fuel for growth. What's your kind of view as to the underlying drivers of why this segment continues to be so hot? And what's kind of changing from the standpoint of customer demands and what areas are you guys focused on to really kind of meet the opportunity here? I think this is a hot area for a few reasons, you know, starting with the ability to better segment the needs and even processes of different client groups. It's really grown through automation advances. And and what I really mean by that is historically, there's been this kind of one size fits all when it came to acquiring customers in the commercial space, both acquiring the customers and even underwriting the customers. And this has really disadvantaged the SMEs uh, because that process was always geared towards the largest customers. And you had to solve for the most complex and and the highest hazard and, and quite honestly, the highest premium payers as well. Right. And now with smart questionnaires and augmented underwriting tools and the process of acquiring and underwriting commercial business, it can be more customized to fit the unique needs of a customer, both by size and by segment, business segment, right? The way you would underwrite 
a hairdresser is very different than the way you're going to underwrite, I don't know, you know, a construction worker. And yet accord forms would look pretty similar, you know, accord forms are from years ago, they'd be the same. So other tech advances are changing the process as well. So I think of the advances in payment systems, right? And how that makes, for example, a parametric product not just possible for, you know, the very large and very, you know, sophisticated buyer, but now it's possible and practical on the SME side, right? Because you can make those payouts so quickly. The technology allows for the detection of that trigger on a, you know, a really a simplified basis. So you're able to think about products and bringing those products to a completely different segment of customers. And then again, I think it goes back to these emerging risks and now the technology and going kind of, you know, converging that with the emerging risk. Commercial clients are buying new risks and I would say even niche products that really fit their needs um, well beyond cyber, right? Cyber is an emerging product, but that's a product that applies to almost every business. I think you and I saw a couple of startups last year at ITC that struck me. One was, you know, an MGF, a recreational sports team products, right? Or an active shooter product, right? You think of how niche those are, but what they're able to do is to really customize um, the offering that it's not just coverage when something goes wrong. It's not just a financial response, but it's training, it's case management while an event is emerging, emerging. Mm -hmm. it's advisory services all along the way. And this is a really customized offering that speaks to the customer. And this is how buyers want to buy today. Yeah. And I think that's a really great point. And I think that capturing and identifying those opportunities can really offer a differentiation in the market, but also create some sustainable advantages in the marketplace. And I think that for insurers that continue to kind of focus on the traditional sets of of products, which is great because that's a a big part of their growth and their, their portfolio, but trying to do that at the same time that they're trying to stand up these kind of very innovative products that are much more personalized and much more customized and need a different approach why do you think insure tech startups or Greenfields, i.e. Greenfields being kind of a startup within an existing company that they are using different technology creates an advantage? And how does innovation fit into that? And why should other companies consider doing that kind of Greenfield approach and applying innovation rather than trying to do it within kind of how they do business today? I do think um, startups are just great at seeing the problem from a different perspective, right? And when you start with that different perspective versus, you know, an incumbent with a slate of offerings, right? Well, this is what I've got to sell, right? Uh, That's just a different posture than say perhaps a startup that comes in and says, Let me think about what my customer wants to buy, right? So how would Mm -hmm. I personalize it? How would I customize it? And so they just, they start by looking at the problem from a different perspective. And that is a huge advantage. They don't have the legacy that they have to deal with. And look, the incumbents, they're managing big books of existing business, right? And that occupies a lot of the focus. And rightfully so, right? It's not easy to manage these portfolios as a carrier company. And 
it's not getting any easier. It's only getting harder. So I do think that it's a pretty big advantage for the startups when they come in without that legacy or without that portfolio that's kind of occupying their mind and they can just really focus on a specific problem or a specific customer set. And the startups are more tech forward. They just are. You know, if we incumbents are honest with ourselves, we've been under investing in tech for many years, perhaps decades. I thank the startups for waking us up in this regard, right? They're pushing the incumbents to move into this new age of tech. And they are the ones who pushed us there. So I think it's wonderful that they've done that uh, for us. But the incumbents have a couple of advantages too. And I think they're worth noting. They do have more data than the startups, even if sometimes they struggle to make good use of it. We do have a lot of data and the incumbents do still have the access to the Customer acquisition costs in all of these spaces are still very high in this industry, and it's a real challenge for startups. One of the areas that we also, I know you and I spent quite a bit of time kind of looking at some of the vendors and some of the startup at ITC last year and throughout the year, it's really around underwriting and data and analytics, you know, which obviously underwriting is the foundation for our industry. What you and I have talked about and what I've talked about with other people is that We now have an arms race to compete and how data and advanced uh, sophisticated analytics are really driving the evolution of underwriting. What are you seeing and what approaches are kind of interesting that you guys are seeing out there in the market? Well, as you said, we had an entire panel discussion on this and I love the the phrase that you coined, you know, it's an arms race and it really is. It's the right phrasing, right? It is who can build up their data and their tech stacks in order to like really get the value out of the data, who could do it fastest and best. So we've heard throughout our careers and I spent many, many years as an underwriter that it's both an art and a science and it's True. There's absolute truth to that. Historically, the amount of human judgment that enters into underwriting, it's been quite significant. And this is still the case on complex or truly unique risks. But the vast majority of risks now can be largely underwritten or minimally they can be augmented, right? The underwriting can be augmented based on data. And I think that this is what carriers are really starting to move towards now. This includes the existing data that resides within an incumbent's current walls. And then it also includes the troves of data that are now becoming available from third-party providers. You know, often the problem is not a lack of data, but rather finding the right data in the right format at the right time to make the best decision. And But that just sounds so easy. Well, just go grab that data and put it together. (laughs) But it's really, really hard to do this. It requires the collaboration of the tools and the tech stack. It requires a lot of people who understand risk and then can, you know, integrate with those tools and all of these processes working together in an efficient and scalable way, right? So I think insurance companies have always done a pretty good job of you know, getting to some level of analytics, but it's always been in that one-off kind of way, right? That tactical way that you mentioned. And what we really have to do is just find efficient ways to really collect our data, store our data, prep and cleanse our data, and then access our data for analytics. That's what we have to do at scale. Because really what makes the difference is the analytics, right? It's not the data, it's the analytics. The data becomes the input to the analytics. Data is, in my opinion, um, becoming somewhat of a commodity, right? So it's what you do with the data that's really going to set you apart. 
The biggest changes I see and still want to see in underwriting is a more data-driven approach, the ability to be able to dynamically optimize any portfolio of risk, and of course, using data and analytics for the prevention and mitigation of loss. We're kind of entering soon after the summer season, we're going to be getting into the planning season and budgeting, and we're getting into the big conference season, particularly ITC. What are you kind of looking at as the next technology trends that you're looking at and others should be considering uh, looking at maybe experimenting or investing to stay at that leading edge? Well, I definitely am not going to give any investing tips or any investment (laughs) advice. (laughs) I stay very, very far away from that. Uh, We have a Munich Reventures team and they handle that on behalf of the group. So uh, I, I won't talk about investments. But in terms of trends, we and I personally closely watch the trends. And the trend I do watch a lot is where does the money go, right? The money is always relevant. So I'm always looking at within InsurTech, what part of the value chain is actually getting a lot of money is, you know, a distribution remains strong, right? So additional distribution channels. And that's where InsurTech, in my opinion, kind of got started, right? At least in a big, when InsurTech was just at its early days, it was a lot of distribution startups that seemed to be coming into this space. They remain strong, but enabling technology really continues to grow. I think that's largely because of the point I previously mentioned where there's been an underinvestment in technology by our industry, and we're trying to catch up. And we're using startups to help us do that. So, of course, the AI and the ML, they've been interesting for some time. What I think is new now, and we see kind of really the evolution, the the stars rising would be the responsible and transparent AI tools. And that's somewhat being fueled by the regulation as it moves further and further into the space and requiring that transparency. We're seeing new tools emerge. They're going to be pretty important, I think, not only in our industry, but outside of our industry. I mentioned climate as a significant area of focus for us. So within that topic, that would include decarbonization, alternative energy, electrification, NatCat tools for prediction and modeling, some of it at you know hyper-localized levels. Those we just mentioned a few. Those are some of the bigger ones that we're spending a lot of time and energy on. It's a huge space, but those would be the few that I would highlight. With all these changes and all the further changes in the industry, how are you thinking about the future of insurance today? What are you doing to prepare for it, but more importantly, helping your customers? Because your customers are a lot of the insurers and brokers. You guys are in a unique position as a reinsurer, having both primary business, but also working with the insurers and brokers. And it really kind of gives you a unique perspective about the future and kind of this whole concept of speed to market for business leaders, all of that kind of tied together. So kind of talk about what you're seeing and the changes for the industry for that future. So I'm always reminded, you know, when we talk about change, it's a quote that Bill Gates coined. I won't get it exactly right, but it goes something along the lines of you'll be able to do less in two years than you would like to do, but you'll accomplish more in 10 years than you thought possible. And I think that's exactly how it feels in this insure tech, right? It's all very slow at the beginning. There are all these hurdles to get over, but then as you start to clear a few of those hurdles and you start to move at a bit of speed and scale, it all feels much more achievable. You know, you and I both remember the beginning of InsureTech when there were these, <laughs> these bold predictions of, you know, disruption by, by startups. And from a market share perspective, we really haven't seen major disruption, right? On the carrier side, there hasn't been major disruption or even, you know, I would say on the distribution side. 
But from a process improvement and tech forward approach, we've seen huge shifts, right? And we're and we're only in the middle of it. Uh, many believed in the early days of insure tech that it was a bad, and you know it was it would come, but then it was going to go. And I don't think there are many incumbents out there today who are not feeling the pressure to update tech stacks, automate workflows, and really focus relentlessly on customer experience. And these these are really big changes. Yeah, they are. And I think that those changes, you know, are really kind of give us opportunity and give us hope for what the future is going to be. And so what's the one thing you hope for that's different in five years, Arlene? Well, I always hope that we're able to close the insurance gap. I'm going to start with that. I think it's both a failing of our industry and also an enormous business opportunity for our industry that we really start to focus on closing the insurance gap. So I'll mention that first, but I would add that I also hope our industry is an exciting, dynamic tech forward industry that can attract top talent and you know delight our customers with great experience and protect our customers when bad things inevitably happen. I love that closing the insurance gap because that is something that is so definitely needed for, for the world and for society at large. So if you could describe the future of insurance with one word or phrase, what would that be and why, Arlene? That's how I love to end these podcasts. This was such a tough one for me, right? But, you know, the phrase that it's maybe more a challenge, right? Dare to think big and aspire to completely new ways of doing things. Oh, I love it. And I say this because I think so much is possible, but in most cases, we're the ones holding ourselves back. And so I think it's time to be bold and daring and go conquer our future. For both of us, having been in the industry for many, many years and have seen you know, the changes and the shifts in the industry. I agree with you. This is a time to be bold because I think it's the most exciting time in my entire career for this industry because the opportunities are really limitless. I can agree with you more. So Arlene, as always, it's a pleasure chatting with you and visiting with you. I love our conversations. We're going to have to continue them, not on the podcast, but on a regular basis and looking forward to seeing you soon. Me too, Denise. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.